Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back. Hope you're doing well. Enjoying the beautiful fall weather. I'm going to play a uh, a couple of clips today that are not easy to hear, but you need to hear them uh, because it's the truth of what uh, has been happening, especially on day one over in Israel. And the IDF uh, Israeli Defense Forces uh, put together a 43-minute video. They brought in a bunch of press people to watch it, unedited, raw footage from uh, some cell phone cameras from the Israelis that were involved in the attack, uh, being attacked. And then, like, footage that was taken by members of Hamas and security footage. And uh, you can dig up some of this stuff online. Uh, Be careful if you do. It is incredibly disturbing and graphic. So I'm just going to play two videos of people talking about it. One's a reporter with Newsmax, which we'll listen to first. And the second one, a gentleman named Elon Levy, who I started following recently on Twitter, now known as X. Uh, He's an Israeli government spokesman and oftentimes works uh, directly with uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and and him describing the experience of what he uh, saw in that 43 minutes of video. So I want to play that. And then uh, another in an increasingly long line of shockingly good, effective, common sense, truth-seeking commentaries by none other than Bill Maher from HBO. And and he's just occasionally puts these rants out there that I'm like, amen, bro. I'm like 100% with you relative to how college students at the elite, quote unquote, elite schools, expensive schools (laughs) here in America have reacted and taken the side of the Palestinian terrorist group Hamas because they're, well, stupid. They don't know any better. They're ignorant. I don't know if they're actually stupid, but they're definitely ignorant. And he just has a blistering take on how that is happening, how are we ending up with these elite school college students that are just so massively ignorant. It's shocking. Uh, so we'll get to that as well. We'll talk to our good friend David Fisher in the fourth segment with a little Money Monday update. Just a little FYI in case you weren't here last Wednesday uh, to hear the big news of, on, on Truth Radio Network, which is the majority of the stations that I'm on, Friday, December 22nd, uh, will be my last day on the radio. We're going to uh, Keep the podcast going, which will be very similar to the radio show, but sometimes longer format. I'm capped here by commercial breaks and 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time. I'm going to be channeling, uh, focusing all my energies on Noble U and growing that and reaching as many of these teenagers that I can in the time that the Lord has given me left with the energy level that I have currently. So 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is. Uh, and so uh, in order to make sure I get you the podcast, which I'm going to do once a week, uh, here's the easy thing to do. That, and I'm going to be talking about this until I'm done. Uh, just text the word Steve, uh, right? Steve as in, you know, Steve, like me. Just text the word Steve to 66866. That's all you need to do is like you're sending a text. So you're going to send it to 66866. And then the only word you're going to put in your message is Steve, my name. So do that. And then we'll get you on 
the email list. So once we start getting the podcast coming out in January, which we already have the podcast with the radio show, but and it'll be very similar. But I can expand it, uh, which will be great. And don't have to deal with commercial breaks, stuff like that. Uh, but you can get on that list, and then we'll email you. It'll still be video and audio. We'll be putting those up on Facebook. We'll put them up on Rumble, and then they'll be on our regular podcast channels. Uh, so you can get them that way as well. But just if you want to get on that list, and then I'll email you every week when the new podcast comes out. Just text the word Steve to 66866. Okay, that's nice and simple. Text Steve to 66866. That's all you got to do. And then we'll uh, take it from there. Okay, so let's, uh, let's do this first one. We don't have time for all of it. Uh, uh, actually, we'll, we'll hold off. We'll, I'm going to hit this in the second segment. And so I'm going to play for you this clip. It's about three minutes from... Newsmax, a reporter that was in the group, about 200 reporters that the uh, IDF brought in to watch this 43 minutes of just, I'm sure, remarkably, uh, unbelievably gruesome footage of what's happening. And then followed by a a couple minutes from Elon Levy, who's the Israeli government spokesman. And uh, because you need to hear that and you need to be exposed to that. And I know we need to be sensitive, but we need to be truthful. As well, and so as as the Israeli invasion of Gaza, which is coming, and I think they're spending a lot of time gathering information, which they're incredibly good at. Why they didn't have the information about what happened two weeks ago uh, eludes me and most of us. But hopefully, we'll find out one day, kind of like the nine eleven problem. Uh, but they're getting ready to go. They're obviously continuing their air campaign, their bombing campaign. They've taken out a lot of senior leaders. The problem with Hamas is they've got all of their command control and weaponry and things. They bury them behind uh, civilian centers and, and mosques and churches and schools and hospitals. And so Israel's being as careful as they can. We talked to my former senior ethics professor at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary last Wednesday, Dr. Dan Heinbach. And that was an incredibly helpful conversation to learn about the history of Israel in the modern context, 1947, 1948. And uh, going back to the Balfour Declaration, which was a short little letter uh, coming out of the British government back in like 1918, somewhere around there, right at the end of World War One, And then the uh, what is Palestine, as in an area, a region, kind of like North America. And then when do we start calling some of these people Palestinians? And did Israel take their land? What's up with that? You, you have to understand history. That's the important part of this lesson, which is why I do what I do with Noble U, with U.S. history and now world history with my high school students. You have to understand history. And by understanding history, you can know right from wrong. You can know the truth. And then you can analyze what's going on in the current context accurately, but only if you know history. So our problem with a lot of college students and young people around this country, besides the militant, uh, the militant left, uh, Rashida Tlaib, people like that, and uh, or people on college campuses and some leaders uh, in, in, on the left. But most of the people, like 83% of Americans support Israel right now, which is great. Uh, but for a lot of people, they're just radical Islamic fundamentalists, meaning a fundamentalist, like for us as Christians, I'm a fundamentalist. I believe the Bible. I know how to study it. I understand theology. I have a grasp of it, a good grasp. Uh, a fundamentalist in Islam understands abrogation. They understand that Muhammad's later teachings supersede his earlier teachings, which are much more peaceful. They understand the Hadith. They understand the Quran. And they become very, very dangerous people. 
Thank God the vast majority of Muslims worldwide are not like that. But 15 to 20% is a couple hundred million. You gotta know the truth. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Okay, this is uh, one reporter. He's with Newsmax that uh, had a chance to was invited in by the uh, IDF to watch this 43 minutes of raw footage of what happened uh, on their 9-11, which, which, by the way, their 9-11, uh, relative to the population of Israel versus America and our 9-11, our 9-11 would have had to have been about 50,000 people dead as opposed to 3,000 people dead relative to what Israel experienced. So just keep that in mind. So if you think they're overreacting, uh, you're wrong, and you need to understand the comparison. So you know how we felt and what we experienced on 9-11 with 3,000 dead. Uh, to be comparable to what Israel experienced a couple of weeks ago, that would have had to been at this point about 50,000 dead in one day. Okay? So imagine the outrage to go from 3,000 to 50,000 dead in one day. All right, so this was the reporter from Newsmax talking about uh, what he saw. Go ahead. And earlier today, myself, uh, Daniel Cohen, other members of the media were uh, invited to a military base outside Tel Aviv to see what was titled the Hamas Massacre raw footage. And what it was, Bianca, was 43 minutes of raw footage from Hamas terrorist body cams, CCTV, so surveillance video from inside some of those communities like Niraz, Be'eri, where we went last week, uh, seeing the aftermath. Well, this, we saw the actual attacks by Hamas terrorists on civilians, dash cam video from the vehicles, uh, and also some of the victims and survivors' cell phone video. Just a snippet, just a glimpse of the several hours at this point of video, of footage that the IDF has, uh, has captured and has rounded up showing these horrific terror attacks. And they are absolutely horrific. I'm not getting into too much graphic detail, but in one of the more disturbing moments, you see a father carrying his two young children into a bomb shelter as the attack happened early in the morning in one of the communities. He goes into the shelter and Hamas terrorist throws a grenade in there, killing the father as the two young sons, badly injured, bloody, are calling Abba, Abba, Daddy, Daddy. Um, there are other scenes of mutilated bodies, burned bodies, beheaded soldiers, uh, burned babies. The list goes on, and I apologize. I know it's incredibly graphic, but people should understand this. And that is why the IDF said that it spent several days determining and weighing whether or not to release the footage and show the media the footage. We weren't allowed to take cell phones in. The IDF released a, a portion to the public for broadcast, but we, we sat in silence, uh, about 200 of us, maybe a little bit less. At some points, people were, were crying. People had to get up and leave. Others were, were covering their face. Um, some of the scenes were unbearable to watch. IDF spokesperson Daniel Hagari said that in releasing the footage to the media, he said that, quote, uh, we we want the world to see. We want. We will not let the world forget why we are fighting. Major General Michael Mickey Edelstein uh, and Admiral uh, Hagari talked about Hamas's ideology, the indoctrination of these terrorists to to uh, operate under orders to to execute 
to mutilate, to kill men, women, and children, and that is what they did. Uh, the IDF, Bianca, has been clear about its goal, and that is to destroy Hamas. But I asked Major General Edelstein about destroying Hamas's ideology, if that's even possible. Yeah, he said it's a hard question to answer. Do it. He's talking about the future. Jesus he will. didn't go into the operational strategy because he said it's, it's going to be, it's going to take a long time. But he talked about the footage and what he thinks the world should take away from it. Listen. If you uh, fight for humanity, if you're looking for humanity, you must stand with Israel. If you uh, fight for humanity, if you're looking for humanity, you must stand with Israel. Okay, stop there. If you looking for humanity, if you fight for humanity, you must stand with Israel. Uh, which is true. Okay, that's, that's what you have to understand about this. I'll unpack a little bit about the Islam, uh, the Islamic theology behind what's going on uh, after the next break. But let's jump over to uh, e, uh, I think it's Elon Elon Levy. He's an Israeli government spokesman, official spokesman for the Israeli government, and he, of course, uh, has seen this footage and more. But this is a 43-minute clip that that last reporter from Newsmax saw. But uh, this is Mr. Levy talking about uh, all the footage that he's viewed, raw footage, unedited of what happened that day. Go ahead and play that one. But seared in my mind are the bodies. Burned bodies. Beheaded bodies. Mangled, bloodied remains of bodies. Bodies in open fields. Bodies in blood-covered bedrooms. Bodies dragged out of cars. Bodies lining the side of the roads. Bodies in body bags. Bodies in rows upon rows of body bags. So many that Zaka rescue teams went through four years of equipment in three days. Bodies in pools of blood. Bodies lying on top of mangled piles of bodies where Hamas has thrown grenades into bomb shelters to blow our young people's limbs from their bodies. We see the body of a young woman in the back of a pickup truck, her leg bent unnaturally backward as terrorists holding RPGs straddle her body, yelling Allahu Akbar as civilians join in the chorus to celebrate the booty these death squads brought back to Gaza. Bodies twitching, bodies blood streaming from their necks, and Hamas terrorists shoot them to finish them off and check their dead. Beheaded bodies of soldiers as Hamas terrorists trample their bodies. Inside Gaza, the lifeless, bloodied body of a soldier dragged out of a car. Savages trample him as civilians crowd around him and scream Allahu Akbar in jubilation with pure joy on their faces, taking turns to crush the corpse with their feet. We see the body of a Thai worker, barely still alive, covered in blood as some depraved savage tries to hack at his neck with a hoe. We see one body of a woman. Her face burned so badly, her lips have burned off, and all we see is her teeth, her legs wide open. Babies' bodies. We see the body of a baby shot in the head. Burned bodies of babies. I mean burned to a crisp. Burned babies Plural. I mean, so badly burned that I had to ask the video to be stopped so that it could be explained to me that the piece of coal on the screen was the burned corpse of an Israeli baby. We see a burned body, mouth gagged, fabric still tied in its mouth. We see one body burned so badly that the skin on the head has burned away completely, and you see the white of the skull. We see burned corpses, burned to a cinder, frozen in terror, bodies twisted like the human remains from Pompeii. How many burned bodies, we hear the first responders ask, and someone counts, eight. We see bodies burned so badly they are still smoking, just lumps of coal. We see human ash that the world has not seen since Auschwitz. 
This was Hamas's October 7th massacre. This is the evil that we are up against. This is the evil that Israel will, will eliminate with the total defeat and dismantling of Hamas for the sake of our people and for the sake of humanity. And there you go. And, and that's what you have it's to remember in my here. Mind, I'll talk about this uh, in the next segment. Go ahead and stop that. It's for the sake of humanity. You heard the other Israeli uh, military leaders say that. If, if you're for humanity, you have to stand with Israel. And you have to understand that this, this is about, this is an existential threat. Fundamentalist Islam. Actual fundamental Islam. People go, oh, radical Islamic terrorism. Um, no. I know that's how we play it in the press, and that's the safe way to do it because you're dealing with the fact that you, not all Muslims are radical fundamentalists, but all ra radical fundamentalists are Muslim. So you have to be very careful with the way you talk about this because 80%, roughly 80% of Muslims worldwide are not the problem. 20% are an existential threat to humanity, which is what drives them. Which I'll explain when we come back right after this. This is Steve Noble. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Let me take you back in time here for a minute. And you remember when ISIS was forming, right? Because we had the train wreck in Iraq, which left a vacuum of power, which allowed for all the insurgencies to come up. And, and in the midst of that came up, came up the ISIS, right? The Islamic State. And they wanted to create a caliphate. That's a worldwide Islamic government, religious, governmental, and militaristic. Okay, that's the deal. The uh, biblical worldview does not include all three of those. Okay. The government does its thing. And then you have uh, the church over here, right? So you got the government, the church, and the military. Those are, those are different things, uh, the, the military underneath the government. Government doesn't bear the sword for nothing. And so that's Christianity separ separates them. But Islam brings that all together. So with ISIS, as with Hamas, uh, what they're trying to do is usher in the, the return of what they call the 12th Imam. That's their uh, satanic version of the Messiah story. And uh, the 12th Imam will come when there's this worldwide caliphate. So they have to initiate these things in order to trigger the return of the 12th Imam, which would be Muhammad. And so what you see with Hamas, uh, destroying Israel and everything is part of that. And, and creating a worldwide caliphate. So if you go back to 2014, 2015, and the question was, uh, should you be afraid of all Muslims? Then the answer to that is clearly, no, you should not. You definitely should not. Okay, that's Don't be ignorant. Then you start looking around, and, and you re, I used to talk about this all the time, 2014, 2015. All right, that's when ISIS was just blowing up and just doing their thing. Iraq, Syria was horrific. <clears throat> Hopefully you remember that. An informal poll of Saudis in August of 2014 shows 92% agree that the Islamic State conforms to the values of Islam and Islamic law. And just think Hamas. <clears throat> Excuse me, they're interchangeable. Al Jazeera poll in 2015. 81% of respondents support the Islamic State. The polling company in 2015. 33% of Muslim Americans say Al-Qaeda beliefs are Islamic and correct. The polling company in 2015, 38% of Muslim Americans say Islamic State beliefs of, are, <clears throat> are Islamic and correct. Uh, I see a mirror poll 2015, 1.5 million British Muslims support the Islamic State, about half the total population. 
Clarion Project study, 2015, 11.5% of Arabs support ISIS, or about 42 million people. Uh, according to the just-released survey of Muslims, a majority, 51%, agree that Muslims in America should have the choice of being governed according to Sharia law versus the Constitution. More than half, 51% of U.S. Muslims polled also believe either that they should have the choice of American or Sharia courts or that they should have their own tribunals to apply Sharia. Doesn't matter where you live. Sharia law <clears throat> is the deal. Uh, nearly a quarter of the Muslims polled believe that, quote, it is legitimate to use violence to punish those who give offense to Islam by, for example, portraying the prophet Muhammad like in a picture. Nearly one-fifth of Muslim respondents said that the use of violence in the United States is justified in order to make Sharia law the law of the country. Most people don't want to talk about this. They don't want to bring it up because it, now I'm an Islamophobe, except I'm not. I care about Islamic people. I care about Muslims. Love them. Jesus loves them. Jesus died for them as much as he died for me and you. But you have to understand what the Quran teaches in the Hadith, which are the sayings and the actions of Muhammad. You have to understand what happened in Mecca when it first started, and you have to understand what drove him to Medina and what brought him back as conqueror and what drives Islamic theology. <clears throat> so Hamas are just really uh, good Islamic theologians. And, and you're hardly going to hear anybody say that either. Okay? But I'm not an Islamophobe. I'm not afraid of Muslims. I'm concerned about 15 to 20% of them worldwide because they believe the things that I was just telling you. Which is why when you go to the college campus and you see all these kids taking up for Hamas and Palestinians versus Israel, it's just shocking their level of ignorance and the evil involved in that. So Bill Maher spoke to that. Uh, ready, Josh? Bill Maher spoke to this in terms of what's going on at these quote-unquote elite universities. He hits the nail on the head. Make sure we stop it at the right point because he swears after that. Okay, go ahead. And finally, new rule as an Ivy League graduate who knows the value of a liberal education, I have one piece of advice for the youth of America. Don't go to college. <laughs> and if you absolutely have to go, don't go to an elite college, because as recent events have shown, it just makes you stupid. <laughs> There are few, if any, positives to come out of what happened in Israel, but one of them is opening America's eyes to how higher education has become indoctrination into a stew of bad ideas, among them the simplistic notion that the world is a binary place where everyone is either an oppressor or oppressed. In the case of Israel, oppressors being babies and bubbas. The same students who will tell you that words are violence and silence is violence were very supportive when Hamas terrorists went on a rape and murder rampage worthy of the Vikings. They knew where to point the fingers at the murdered, and then it was off to ethics class. <laughs> now, now, I recognize that a certain amount of foolishness is expected of college kids, but Mixing Jägermeister and tomato juice isn't the same as siding with terrorists. <laughs> 34 student groups at Harvard signed a letter that said the apartheid regime is the only one to blame, proving they don't know what constitutes apartheid. They don't know much of anything, actually. But it doesn't deter them from having an opinion. They've convinced themselves Israel is the most repressive regime in history because they have no knowledge of history Boom. or even a desire to know it. Yep. And actual history doesn't come up in their intersectionality of politics and gender queer identities class. He's 
correct. 100%. Now, to be fair, at least five of the student groups have rescinded what they signed, saying they didn't read the letter closely. And they promised not to make that mistake again after they graduate and start running the world. But... Dark humor. I, I actually believe them that they didn't read the letter closely. I think they scanned it, said it was blaming Israel, and went back to surfing TikTok. Because college life today is a day spa combined with a North Korean re-education camp. Boom. It's a daycare center with a meal plan, except the toddlers can fire the adults. The fact that college presidents, who usually love to speak out about anything, couldn't find their voice to condemn the worst attacks at the Holocaust is a lot about who really controls colleges and why, if ignorance is, is a disease, Harvard Yard is the Wuhan wet market. <laughs> Not that colleges didn't always have professors with radical beliefs. I know. I used to sell them weed. <laughs> but the reason why despising Israel became pretty much a requirement of the American left is colleges, elite colleges, mm -hmm. the mouth of the river from which this and all manner of radical left, illiberal, yes, illiberal, nonsense flows. Supporting all black, that is, segregated dorms, segregated graduation ceremonies and orientation programs, which occur on hundreds of campuses, is illiberal. It, right? So is the racism against Asian applicants and chasing speakers off of campus. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when the First Amendment Watchdog Group Foundation for Individual Rights and Expression began ranking colleges... Yeah, Harvard came in last. That's what he's about to say. Then he starts swearing. So he had to cut it there. But he's, he's, when he says illiberal, he's just talking about a, lib a liberal education. A classic liberal education is critical thinking. We're going to look at everything. We're going to look at, we're going to be liberal with bringing in information. We're going to consider all these different things. And we're going to learn how to work through them. That's what a liberal arts degree used to be. It's critical thinking. Not anymore. That's why he's saying all these things are illiberal. And they are. When you understand the classic definition of liberality or liberalism when it comes to a college education. So we have all these kids out there who are in their gender studies class and this, that and the other thing looking for a way. And this is the spiritual reality here, looking for a way to justify themselves because they know in their spirit, because the law is written on their heart. They know that they are sinners and separated from a holy God. They know that. That's why I say, according to Romans chapter 1, there's no such thing as an atheist. So everybody runs around in different ways trying to justify themselves. They buy into the oppressor-oppressed narrative, which puts everybody in one bucket or the, the other, intersectionality. So if you're a Muslim, lesbian, black woman, then you've got way more points because you're in three different oppressed groups. They do not know how to think. They've been indoctrinated. So all of a sudden, Israel defending itself against what is clearly an existential threat to humanity via Islam, which is pure evil. That wasn't Gabriel that visited Muhammad in the cave. That was Satan himself. Satan is the creator of all false religions. Anything to get people away from Christ. You have to understand all of that the spiritual reality of it all. These kids understand none of it, except they're trying to 
justify themselves. So they virtue signal in the way that they've been taught to hate Israel, hate Jews, and love Islam because Hamas is the oppressed group, people group, people of color group. It's massive ignorance, which is exactly why I do Noble You. We'll talk to David Fisher when we come back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. Setting aside uh, one type of important news for another, as we do each Monday with our good friend uh, David Fisher from Landmark Capital, LandmarkGold.com. By the way, uh, next week, I think we're doing, are we going to do a full Money Monday next Monday, David? Is that the plan? Hey, buddy. Are you there? I can hear you fine. Can you hear me, Steve? Yeah, I got you. Good. How you doing? There we go. I'm doing great. Yes. Next week, full show on Monday. That's what we talked about previously. Excellent. Yep. We'll do that on Monday. So that's coming up a week from today, October 30th. Uh, We won't be available to do it on Monday, the 6th of November, which would be the normal. But next Monday, the 30th, uh, David will be with us for the whole show. Uh, But when we do these updates, David, as always, I just love when we uh, get a chance to start with Scripture here. And and one of my most studied and sometimes very difficult uh, book to fully understand. But uh, every moment you spend in the book of Romans, you're going to be blessed. So this one uh, in Romans chapter 12, which is really, if you want a, a consolidated look at what the Christian life is supposed to be like, Go read Romans chapter 12. I mean, it's all right there. It's a num- really an amazing passage of Scripture. So let's start there, David. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 11, and then we'll dive in after that. Yeah, I love the book of Romans. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So this just basically summarizes almost the Christian walk to a certain yeah. extent, except for it doesn't share this passage where Jesus shed his blood and died for his sins, and he's rose and he's coming back for us. If you put that in there, uh, well, that's the gospel. Um, so obviously iron sharpens iron. In environments like financial environments, when there's just so much always going on, it's almost like we can be lulled to sleep. And sometimes... That can also be the Christian walk. We just kind of pass through life. So I want to challenge everybody. Stir up that spiritual gift within you. I think Paul said that. Um, Don't have a low zeal. Have a high zeal. And that's you just get in prayer. You get in the Word. You get around other believers. You get in the environment and say, I want to have the zeal of the Lord so I can be the salt and light of the earth. I can be his, His mouthpiece. I can be that light on the hill to speak or be that witness to a dying world. Maybe it's a fellow uh, believer that needs some encouragement. Maybe somebody's never heard the gospel before, which I find challenging in America, but they just need that word of the Lord for that point of time. And then you could be that divine appointment that God is trying to set up. But we can miss that opportunity if we don't have that zeal. Yeah, we need to have that zeal. And, uh, and of course, when we all talk about, well, what if Jesus come back to, uh, would, were to come back next week? How would that affect your life? And everybody knows the right, right way to answer that. The point is, we don't know when he's coming back. And uh, you need to live in light of that reality. And having that zeal for the Lord and for your neighbor, uh, when it comes to the gospel especially. I mean, 
in America, we still have 68, 69% of Americans will self-identify as Christians, but you scratch the surface of that at all. Well, why do you call yourself a Christian? You're definitely not going to get the gospel in most cases. Uh, most Correct. being 75, 80, 85% of those people actually don't know the gospel, even though they call themselves a Christian. So we need to have zeal, zeal for the Lord and, and zeal uh, because we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's such a great point and such a powerful verse, Romans chapter 12, verses 10 through 11. Uh, oil on the rise, I'm looking at it uh, just the last six months where it's up, uh, gosh, about 13%. David, and is that, uh, and, and then, then just recently it's, it's going up. Is it just related to what's happening in the Middle East? Will it keep going? What's going on with oil? Because we're all noticing that at the gas pump. Well, 7 of the 13% is since the war broke out. Wow. You know, the, this combination of the 10-year Treasury yield rising, uh, oil soaring, and the dollar strengthening, that's a, a triple uh, trifecta here, so to speak, that causes trouble for our financial system. Uh, the oil traders are concerned that the Israeli war is going to break out broader yep. uh, and draw in maybe Iran, uh, such as Hezbollah's allies in, in Lebanon there. Um, so Yellen, uh, uh, I'm referring to Treasury Secretary Yellen, she just recently said that she doesn't think this is going to get broader, wider. We talked a little bit about that. I think she's incorrect because I'm seeing more information that this is where we're headed, unfortunately. Um, and, you know, just to make it really clear the war is not even close to being over it's just in the beginning stages unfortunately and the economists are concerned that the longer the war goes on the higher oil uh, prices will go because of the broader implications it will have in saudi arabia ironically uh, cut their production to a 28th month load in august so this thing is not going the right direction And if we're going to get in and, you know, try and drive oil down how President Biden has done it before through releasing of oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserves, we only have 17 days of oil supply at the current demand level. So we're in a rock and a hard place. This will cause inflation as oil goes up. And we're teetering. I read an article this morning that Raymond James says we're going to have a a recession three months from now. And they're citing growing headwinds for consumers, which is high cost of living, high borrowing costs, which is interest rates, and the macroeconomics, which is the war and, and the financial calamity that we're facing where we can't make our bills as a country and pay for our debt. So we're going to head more than likely into a recession. And there, and I even heard this morning on CNBC, first quarter of next year is where it's going to get triggered. Yeah, and it's it really we have to keep paying attention to this. So there's so much going on in the news. Uh, this one comes down and touches all of us, so we have to pay attention. You mentioned debt. Government debt's been rising. I just figured this out, David. When you and I first, first started doing radio together back in 2016, uh, America was only $20 trillion in debt. Only $20 trillion. Today, we're at $33.6 trillion. We're up over 50% in seven years. That's Trump and Biden. Uh, and, and so both sides are guilty here. But government debt's rising. Buyers are shying away from treasuries. Uh, but today, Treasury yields uh, made a change. So, so what's going on there? So the 10-year note hit 5%, 5.014% for a moment. We said it was going to happen, and it did happen today. Then it backed away, and right now it's at 4.848%, which 
seems like maybe just a little bit of difference, but in the treasury market, that's a pretty big difference. Let me remind everybody, this is a thing called what Rick Santelli says, it's consolidating. In other words, it's just kind of getting in a groove here, but it's, I don't think anything's going to you know, really pull back substantially. That's why last week we had stocks four days back-to-back where they lost money because yields were going up. Today we're in the green. Yields pulled back just a little bit. But again, citing Rick Santelli, who's probably the most wisest guy when it comes to Treasury yields, he said a month ago, yields for the 10-year is going to 13% within the next nine years. So that's two and a half times higher. That just means a lot more inflation coming. That means higher prices for gold. That means lower prices for much, much lower prices for stocks. Just be careful. You have don't have all your money in the stock market right now because this is a potentially dangerous environment and they're even still talking about a possible default on u.s debt yeah it's really remarkable so when we think of gold and silver just in in general terms uh it's kind of got an inverse relationship to a lot of the news of the day when when things are going in the poor direction then gold is on the other end as i like to say david on the other end of the teeter-totter and i think that's an effective way people just to understand about diversification though all right down here i'm I'm exposed in a way and down here where i have gold and silver precious metals that's a different uh different device a different element of a portfolio uh and but but is that generally how we should look at it as a way to kind of shore up ourselves when we when we have really difficult or un, un uh, unknowable economic times like we're in yes it's, but it's just on steroids now and here's why normally in this environment the dollar um, when it rose, gold should have gone down, but gold didn't go down. It was the number one asset class that went up. It went up more, up more than oil. So what's happening is the bond market is usually the safe haven asset. Normally you have a 60% stocks, 40% bond portfolio, but those that had that had a guaranteed loss the last three years. So if you had 100% stocks, 0% in bonds, you possibly might have had a return on your money, but it's been been very challenging in the stock market. So what's taking place is something different. Instead of the bonds as a safe haven, those are a liability now with everything we're talking about because of the debt, and, and investors are going to gold. David Durking, he's the editor for ETF Focus on the Street, he says this gold and commodities are doing the same thing perhaps even better gold is has virtually no correlation to at all to stocks and perhaps it's the ultimate diversifier end quote so just imagine if a moment a portion of that bond money didn't stay in bonds or a portion of those stocks didn't stay in stocks as the ultimate diversifier but went into gold can you imagine how high gold would go just a small percentage came out of bonds went into gold well, that's what's starting to happen. So call my company, learn about what the big wave is getting ready to happen. Central banks see this problem. That's why they're buying a gold aggressively. Call and learn about how to roll over your 401k, your IRA, and get some information. Right. That, that, and that's the key word, learn, education, to, to uh, better yourself, knowledge and wisdom. We perish without it. Uh, again, David, how do people get a hold of that? 844 604 2575 the number 844-604-2575 or our website landmarkgold.com excellent thank you my brother god bless you have a great week we'll talk to you for a full money monday next monday 
Sounds good, my brother. All right, pal. Take care. We'll talk soon. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I will talk to you again soon. And like my dad always used to say, trust me, when I say always, it was always. Like my dad always used to say, ever forward.